Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. I believe that we are on the cusp of something pretty special. Um, we've been believing and praying in to this revival spirit and, uh, and you can just feel it. You can feel it just building and building each and every week. And um, so I just encourage you to stay in that place of faith this evening. Uh, I hope you've come expectant. I hope you've come um, just believing that God can move in your situation this evening. And so um, tonight I just wanna keep speaking around that. And you know, Pastor Ashley, he mentioned that uh, some people believe in um, the doctrine of cessation. In other words, that uh, miracles died out with the first century disciples. Um, but uh, if you believe that, you have to explain to me how people can still be saved today. Because the greatest miracle of all is salvation. And as Pastor Ashley said, this is a room full of miracles. Um, if you believe in Jesus, you've received His forgiveness. If you've got eternal life, and if you haven't, I wanna give you an opportunity at the end of my message today uh, to connect with Jesus in that way. But um, to receive salvation is an amazing miracle. There's no greater miracle than that. Uh, to wake up each and every morning with a hope and a, and a certainty of your future and where you're going and to not be afraid of what the world throws at you, but to understand that your eternity is secure in Jesus Christ. That is an amazing miracle. And so God is still doing miracles today. Uh, I, in fact, I believe He's doing far more than we are even aware of. And uh, one of the things that we wanna do as a church, we wanna keep sharing with you the testimonies of what God is doing. So I encourage you, you know, share the testimonies with your Connect Group leader. Uh, share them with your department pastor. Write them down. We've got some slips of the information desk. Please write them down. We wanna share and encourage each other's faith. But, you know, if you, um, if you uh, uh, believe that miracles are, have ceased, then you also have to explain away what Jesus said in John eleven fourteen. Because he said, so he told them plainly, uh, uh, sorry, I'm on the wrong verse. There we go, John 14, verse 12. Uh, in solemn truth, I tell you, anyone believing in me shall do the same miracles I've done and even greater ones because I'm going to be with the Father. Uh, notice he says, anyone believing in me. He doesn't say, hey, just these disciples, these first century disciples believing in me. Or he doesn't say just those with me now. He says, anyone believing in me. And anyone means anyone. Anyone who believes in Him, including you and I. And so I believe that we can expect miracles in our everyday life. Uh, on top of that, miracles are one of the way, or one of the key methods God has given us to evangelize. Because they reveal that God is real to people. Um, you remember in John 11, in John 11, it's a story where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, when Jesus first got that information that Lazarus was sick, the Bible tells us that he didn't immediately go uh, and respond to that need. And initially, that seems a bit out of character for Jesus because Jesus was the one who was known for his incredible compassion. And if anybody would respond to a need immediately, it would be Jesus. And no doubt that's why Mary and Martha asked him to come and heal their uh, sick brother Lazarus because they knew that he would respond in that way. That's the expectation. And yet when he gets the news, he, he waited. He didn't respond straight away. But look at what Jesus said when he first got the news. He says this when he first heard that Lazarus is sick in John eleven four. 4. 
He said, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. He says, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. What does it mean to glorify God? Well, I think simply it means to put your faith in Him. When you put your faith in Him, you are glorifying Him. And this is what miracles do. They cause those who witness them to put their faith in God. And see, Jesus understood this better than anyone else. In fact, before He started making His way to Lazarus, which was a couple of days later, He actually said this to His disciples in John eleven fourteen. He said, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, talking to his disciples, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. So already, already Jesus in this instance is thinking more than just about meeting the need of Lazarus. He's also thinking about how this moment, how this miracle could impact his disciples. But it goes further than that. Because, because we know that Jesus waited a few days and in that time, what happened is Lazarus passes away. Lazarus dies. Now, because he passed away, a whole bunch of Jews, a big crowd of Jews from a nearby town came to where Mary and Martha was to console them in their loss. Right? So by the time Jesus rocks up, not only is the disciples there and Mary and Martha, but now there's this big crowd of people there too. You see, I, I believe Jesus waited because He was directed by the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of God didn't only want to use this opportunity to raise Lazarus back to life. He also wanted to use this opportunity to raise a whole bunch of other people back to life too. Because it says in John eleven forty one, 41, look at this. It says, And Jesus looked at the tomb, or he said, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Right, so Jesus is thinking about more than just raising Lazarus back from the dead. It says, then he faced the tomb and Lazarus, where Lazarus had been laid. And he spoke these words, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus is resurrected back to life. But at the same time, these people are seeing a man who's been dead for four days, decomposing in a tune, come back to life. And you know what they did when they, when they saw that? They put their faith in God. It says in John eleven forty five. therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in Him. This is why it's so important that we press in to believe for miracles. Because if we really wanna reach all those that God has called us to reach, if we really wanna be the church that's able to see as many people as possible come to know Jesus, then just having a message isn't enough. In fact, Paul writes something very interesting in Romans 15 verse 18. He says, yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders 
and by the power of God's Spirit. So he says that the message brought them to God, but the signs and wonders convinced them that God was real. And then he says this in the next verse. I'm not sure if you guys have got it, but in the next verse, in this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to some other town I can't pronounce. (laughs) So he's saying this, he's going, by preaching a message and moving in miracles, I have now fully presented the good news. He's saying if you only do one or the other, we're only partially presenting the gospel. He says, I fully presented the gospel by preaching the word and by confirming that word through signs and wonders. This way I have fully preached the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus always intended the message of miracles to go hand in hand. That's why Jesus preached and then he would move in the miraculous to confirm what it was that he said. And when we do that, when we preach the message and we move in miracles, guess what? That's when the church is the most influential. That's when our reach is most powerful. That's when we can start to reach all that God has called us to reach. So if we're gonna be effective in reaching the world for Jesus, then we need to be committed to doing, as Pastor Ashley's been encouraging us to do, to build a community of miracles, amen. So the question is, where do we start? Where do we start on this journey of seeing the miraculous become something that is a normal occurrence in our everyday life? Because I believe that's what it should be. It should be normal in our everyday life to see the miraculous move of God. So where do we start? Well, I believe it starts by renewing our mind. By renewing our mind. Or another way of saying, by changing the way that we think. Now, when I grew up, I was never much of a reader growing up. Right? I could probably, when I was in school, I could probably count on my fingers how many books I read from start to finish all my way through school. <laughs> I didn't like reading. Anyone not a big fan of reading? Yeah, fair enough, right? I couldn't really find a book that I found interesting. I'd start a book, I'd get part of the way through it, and then I'd just get bored with it. Right? Probably the only ones I stuck with were those Choose Your Own Adventure. Anyone remember them? Choose Your Own Adventure, right? You get to the end of the page, and it say, turn to page 68, do this, turn to page 58, do that, right? Turn to the wrong one, story over, bang, fantastic, I finished that book, that's great, I ticked that off. So I was an avid reader. I didn't really like it, didn't really get into it. I used to play sport, I used to love playing sport. That's, that's what I did, right? But I remember when I first started dating Oster, very early on in our dating, she presented me with a book, right? And she said to me, hey, you know what? I just wanna encourage you to read this book, right? And on the inside, I'm like, oh, this is the worst possible thing you could be asking me to do. But on the outside, I'm like, yeah, absolutely, totally. Oh, I love reading, right? You see, you have to realize this was very early on in our dating and I was trying to impress Oster and I had a big mountain to climb. I'm telling you right now, the first conversation I had with her, she said, I do not date and I will never marry an Australian, right? And I'm like, whoa, challenge accepted, right? So I had a big mountain to climb. I'm thinking maybe this is a test, right? Maybe she's like, if, I, if he commits to reading this book, maybe he'll commit to our relationship. I didn't know, right? But I took this book. And uh, I'm thinking, all right, you know, you gotta help me here, God, all right? But I, I must say this though, um, I was in the Air Force at the time and, uh, and uh, we had like uh, two smokos and a lunch. And I spent all those smokos and lunch reading that book. 
I would go out to the car, I would try to read that book as quickly as I could, right? And I managed to read it in three days. Now, for me, that's a record. Now, if you're an avid reader, you're like, three days? Like, that sounds like forever, right? If you're Pastor Alice McInnes, she reads about 150 books a year. No, no joke, right? Amazing. I know there's, uh, I think, a few others as well. But, um, and this book, for me, it was thick, right? It was probably about that thick. I think this thing is huge. It's like a textbook. Anyway, I got through this, and I, I, I said, hey, I, I, you know, I, I read this book. This is awesome, and, uh, and it must have worked because on Friday, I celebrated my 16th wedding anniversary. I got two kids. So don't tell me miracles don't happen, all right? So I finished this book, and I thought, this is fantastic. It's the last book I ever read. No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. But uh, now, the thing is, because I read this book so fast, I actually don't remember a lot about that book, which probably defeats the purpose of why she gave it to me in the first place. But I do remember the title. The title of this book was Battlefield of the Mind, all right? By Joyce Meyer. Anyway, um... But it was Battlefield of the Mind. And I bring that up. I bring that up because I, I didn't know it at the time. But I have come to realize that if you're going to live the life that God has called you to live, if you're going to have the influence that God desires you to have, if you are going to see miracles become a normal occurrence in your everyday life, like I believe that they should, then it first starts by choosing to think the right way. You see, the world would tell you that you have to think in a way where there are certain things that cannot be done. It'll tell you, no, there's certain limitations. There's things that are impossible. But that's not the same thinking that comes in the kingdom of God. See, God would say, no, what seems impossible for man is still possible for God. See, when you get a kingdom perspective, you start to see things a whole lot differently to how you saw them before. Uh, Paul writes these words in Romans 12, verse two. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is? His good, pleasing, and perfect will is to work through your life and my life to see as many people as possible come to find salvation through Jesus Christ. And what I believe Paul is saying in this passage, if we're gonna be able to outwork that good, pleasing and perfect will, then we need approach each day with a kingdom mindset. There's a story in Acts chapter three, and I think it highlights what we're talking about quite well. Um, I wanna read it to you and just pick out a couple of things that I pray encourages. Acts chapter three, verse one. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man was lame from birth, uh, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John uh, about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. 
Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, whenever I'd read this story in the past, and I'm sure maybe uh, numbers of you would have read this numbers of times before, whenever I read it in the past, I always assumed that this was the first time that Peter and John encountered this lame man. I figured, man, this must be the first time that they saw him. But as I was reading through it and studying a bit recently, it occurred to me that perhaps this actually wasn't the first time that they had walked past this man. In fact, it's possible that they had had numerous encounters with him previously. Let me show you. First of all, the text says in verse 1 that Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, back in those days when the temple existed, there were set prayer times that the Jews would go up to the temple and pray. They were 9 a.m., 12 p.m., and 3 p.m. Hence why it says they were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, and it was 3 in the afternoon, right? And thousands of Jews would go to the temple at these times of prayer. Now, Peter and John, they were Jews. And uh, on this particular day, they were going there at 3 in the afternoon, and it makes sense that perhaps this was something that was part of their daily routine that they would go numerous times to the temple at the time of prayer to pray, right? The other thing the text tells us is that the man had been placed there every day. So here's Peter and John, probably part of their daily routine, going through the gate, beautiful, to pray. And here the text tells us the man had been placed at the gate, beautiful, every day. The fact that he'd been placed there every day seems to suggest he'd been there for quite a long time. Um, In fact, he'd been there so long that the text told us that when he was healed and he walked in, he was jumping around, it said that everybody recognised him as the man who would sit at the gate beautiful begging. So putting this all together, Peter and John, they regularly went to the temple. The man was placed there every day, probably for maybe weeks, months, maybe even years. And everybody knew him. So if Peter and John had walked past that way every day, I have to assume that maybe this wasn't the first time they had an encounter with this man. Maybe this wasn't the first time they'd seen him. Perhaps even the reason the man looked at them expecting to get something from them was because previously he had. Perhaps previously they had stopped and actually given him some money to bless him. And so this time, oh, that's Peter and John. I'm expecting to get something from them. So I don't think this was the first time they passed the man, but this was the first time where the interaction with him was completely different. So my question is why? Why was their response to this man's situation different on this occasion than to every other? Well, I wanna say it was because on this occasion, their thinking was different. You see, on this occasion, they didn't approach it with the same old mindset. Instead of this occasion, they approached it with a 
kingdom mindset. And a kingdom mindset is one that understands that if you belong to Jesus, then wherever you go, whatever situation you come up against, you are never without an option because inside of you, you carry something special. You see, on this occasion, they were walking with a revelation that when they, what they carried on the inside of them was something that could do the impossible. Something that could see the miraculous of heaven invade the reality of earth. They recognised that they carried on the inside of them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna ask the, the, the keys to join me, but I felt, I felt as I saw this, I felt to remind you tonight that if you are in relationship with God, you carry the same thing. The same Spirit that Peter and John operated in on that day that saw that lame man raised back to full health is the same Spirit that you carry on the inside of you wherever you go and whatever you do. You see, the thing about miracles is they are not reserved to work through just a particular person. In fact, miracles are not reserved for just a certain ministry. Miracles are attached to a particular spirit, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and the same Spirit, the same Spirit that worked miracles that we read about in the Bible, the open blind eyes, that healed deaf ears, that caused the lame to work, that mended the broken, that set the captives free, is the same Spirit. The Bible teaches lives inside you and I. It's the same Spirit. This is why Jesus said in Mark 16, Verse 17, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They'll cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Just like Peter and John, God wants you to know wherever you go, whatever situation you come up against, whatever place you find yourself in, you carry something that can change that circumstance in a moment. You know, everyone else walked past that lame man that day and all they could offer him was no more than sympathy or money. But Peter and John carried something different, something that had the power to change that circumstance entirely. And you and I, we carried the same thing. I believe this is the key truth that we need to renew our mind with each and every day. Because when you realise this, it'll change how you respond to life situations. It, there's one thing I would encourage you to do, it's wake up every morning and renew your mind with the understanding that you carry something special. You carry something that can change the atmosphere of a room. You carry something that can provide you with an answer to any situation. You carry something that can guide you in which steps to take when you have no clue which way to go. You carry something that will help you to do what is needed at an ability that's far above what you could do in your own strength. You carry something that does away with the worldly limitations and enables you to experience the supernatural power of God, amen. See, when Peter and John, when they got a revelation that they were carrying 
something special on the inside of them. They made a decision to look at life through the lens of the kingdom of God. And suddenly, whatever everyone else saw as a problem, they saw as an opportunity. So this is the thing, when you understand what it is you're carrying inside, problems no longer become a full stop. Issues no longer become a dead end. Now they just become an opportunity for you to see the power of God displayed even greater in your life. In fact, Apostle Paul writes that. He writes in 2 Corinthians 4.11. He says, yes, we live under constant danger to our lives because we serve the Lord, but this gives us constant opportunities to show forth the power of Jesus Christ within our dying bodies. I love that. What an awesome perspective to have. Yes, I'm not in a place I wanna be. Yes, some things are happening to my family. Yes, we've been going through this, but boy, you know what? It just gives me another opportunity to show forth the power of Jesus Christ in my life. God may not have brought it about, but He can use this to bring God glory. He can use this to lift up His Name. He can use this to testify to my family, my friends and my work colleagues that He is real, amen. If you're in the middle of something, you may not wanna be there, but you are prime. You are prime for a miracle. You are prime for a testimony. You are prime to discover a facet and dimension of God that you may not be aware of. You know, it's not until you're sick do you know God as your healer. It's not until you need provision do you know Him as your provider. It's not until you're lost do you know Him as your Saviour. Like we, we, we don't wanna go through these things, but I'm telling you, man, sometimes they just, they can become a blessing if we look at them through the right perspective. Because there's things we discover of God that otherwise we might not have. Apostle Paul, had, he had a thorn in his side, a thorn in his flesh, and he prayed it away. He said, God, take this away. And then God did it. And you know what he discovered? He discovered the revelation that when I am weak, then I am strong. And that still preaches to us 2,000 years later. But if he'd never gone through that, he wouldn't have discovered it. I wonder what it is that God wants to reveal to you in this season. I wonder it is what God wants to show of Himself to you as you go through what you're going through. It will never be wasted. There's never a wasted season. There's always something God wants to reveal to us. But I just felt to remind you tonight that the same power, the same power that enabled Jesus to be resurrected back to life is the same power that lives inside you and I. Just think about that for a moment. The same power that overcome the worst that the enemy had, that overcome death. I mean, there's nothing more final than that. The same power you carry it around inside of you wherever you go. You carry it into your home, you carry it into your workplace, you carry it into your school, into your university, into your neighbourhood, into your community. But how often are we tapping into that power? Peter and John on this day, they're like, hang on a sec. We carry something different. We have something special inside of it. We have something that can do more than just give Him some money. Silver and gold we do not have, but what we have in the Name of Jesus. Get up and walk because we carry something special inside of us. The same Spirit that saw that man raised to life is the same Spirit we felt in worship tonight. It's the same Spirit we prayed for. It's the same Spirit that's in this place. And if He could do it then, guess what? He can do it again. 
He can do it in your life tonight. It's the same miracle working power. I don't believe that stories like this are meant to be the extreme and the exception. I believe they're meant to be the norm. I believe this is meant to be normal. I, I believe we're supposed to have so many testimonies that it almost becomes like, oh, well, I hear that every week. Not just here or there. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry to see God move in that way. I, 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 I know that's in Pastor Ashley's heart. I know that's in uh, Pastor Josh's heart and our team's heart that, that this would be, we've been singing this song, House of Miracles. This would be a house of miracles. This should be a house of miracles. This has been a house of miracles, but I believe this needs to be a house of miracles. A message is not enough. Now I'm not diminishing the message because the message is powerful. But if we only preach the message and we don't move in miracles, we're only partially preaching, partially sharing the good news. And I don't wanna dilute God's message. We can't afford to, why? Because my lost friends and family, their, life, their eternity depends upon it. Now we get nervous, we get nervous about believing for miracles because there's a few reasons. Number one, we get afraid of get, to getting disappointed. And I've had moments like that where I've believed God, I've been pressing into God and expecting to move and have my hope up there and it didn't go my way. But you know what, that's okay. That's gonna happen. That's just a part of being mature in our relationship with God and understanding in the end He's in total control. He's sovereign. He knows what He's doing. He's got the bigger picture than I do. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. It's not easy, but it is a sign of maturity. But having said that, as long as I believe that He can, I'm keep, gonna keep expecting that He will. In fact, I believe that He loves it when we put our faith in Him that way. You remember that story of the centurion? And when he put his faith in Jesus, he asked Jesus to come and heal his servant. And then Jesus uh, started coming his way. And then the centurion like, has another thought. He's like, hang on a sec, he doesn't need to come. He could just say the word. He could just say the word. And he tells this to Jesus. And Jesus is like, wow, that's amazing. You believe me that way? You believe my authority that way? And he turns around to everyone. He says, I have not found such faith as this. Jesus was searching for faith, but you know what touched his heart? You know why he got so excited? Because finally someone believed him the way that he should have been believed. Imagine having all these people deny who you are. They didn't even believe that he was the Son of God, let alone believe he could do miracles. Imagine living every day like that. Imagine meeting someone and saying, hey, my name's Tony. No, it's not. You're an idiot. I'm the son of Stephen and Eve, no you're not. Like, it's, it sounds funny, but imagine that being your reality. Everyone you're speaking to, no one believing you, saying you're blaspheming, trying, wanting to put you in prison, wanting to kill you. We're just saying the truth. And then finally, finally, here's the centurion, hang on a sec. No, He is the Son of God. No, He does have authority. And Jesus is like, yes, finally. Someone believes I am who I said that I am and I can do what I said I can do. You know, I, I believe that we should be a church like that. I, I, I believe 
that God is looking for a group of believers who believe that He is who He said that He is and He could do what He said He could do. I, 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 I don't know about you, but I, I want God to be going, yes, yes, look at that faith. That's amazing faith. That's the type of faith I've been seeking. That's what I've been looking for. I have not found such faith like I have at Influencers Church, like I have in the heart of those believers. They do believe that I can do it. They believe that it's easy for me, because it is. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.